Hello, wrestling fans. Quint Charisma. Hey, that's me today with my good buddy, Jeremiah Plunkett. Yellow again, everybody. Jeremiah Plunkett and Quint Charisma. And once again, we are smack dab on ringside and ready to go with another big year of the Territorial Wrestling Review Podcast. Happy New Year, listeners, and Happy New Year, Quint. Happy New Year, buddy. <laughs> uh, we made it through 2020. We're on the other side. Yeah, but it's still it's still looking rough out there, folks. But hang on, it's going to get better. <laughs> well, we know this podcast is going to be better because we're done with Memphis 1987. <laughs> I, I don't know if I celebrated the New Year or the final podcast more. <laughs> but I, I, was, I was glad that that year is over. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see what this new format does for everybody. I, I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I, I do too. And we're going to pull matches that not a lot of people have seen or that haven't been seen in very, very many years. Um, just basically our own tastes uh, or wanting to learn new things. And again, hopefully we can turn on people who have never seen it to see it again. That's how things keep alive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I'd have seen that. I didn't think I did until I watched it, but I didn't remember it. I just remember one thing that caught my mind. Caught it. Regenerate, uh, jogging my memory that I had seen it back almost 25 years ago or longer, um, back in my tape trading days. But after I watched it, I don't remember the match, I just remember something that was on the tape. So, so I've actually seen the match, but I didn't remember it, so I was actually watching it new to me. Yeah, I, I watch this match periodically. Um, the match we're talking about, of course, uh, was found on YouTube channel Classic Wrestling. Uh, it's a two out of three falls match for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. The Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers versus Pat O'Connor. This took place in Kaminsky Park in Chicago, Illinois on June 30th, 1961. Now, this was, uh, at the time, this was a record-breaking crowd. Uh, I think... Uh, what they say? I think the announcer said like fifty something thousand, and actually the total gate uh, it turned out to be like thirty eight thousand something. But uh, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of comps, uh, big wig people that didn't have to pay to get in and stuff back then. Uh, so, but the pay was around thirty eight thousand or something like that. I think it said. Uh, I actually found the whole card. Uh, I know I sent you some links, and I just found this. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Uh, is I looked everywhere and I somehow I stumbled across the the whole card for the uh, for this show. There was eight big matches. Uh, now I might mispronounce some of these names, so just bear with me. Uh, the opening match was Fred Atkins against Hans Schmidt. Um, I was gonna do some uh, research on some of these guys, but I said, nah, this is about the the match." Um, now this other the second match. The guy, it, it was Gene, oh my gosh, Ballingen, maybe? I don't know, but he, he wrestled Moose Cholock. I, I can pronounce that one, that's easy. <laughs> then, uh, Victorio Apollo, uh, when he gets the Mighty Atlas. Fourth match was Bob Orton Sr. against Dick Steinborn. Um. Uh, then the fifth match was was a six man, and I didn't. You didn't really see many six men back then, did you? You know, I, I, at 
report on that. Uh, I don't know, quite know the history because I know wasn't it that the original tag match was a six man, and then when it was two on two, it became Australian Rules tag match. It might have been. I don't know. See, I don't a lot of, not a lot of history of the old stuff. I'm more of a seventies, you know, Gulas guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I heard is that a traditional, what we think of as a traditional two-on-two tag match was actually the later adaptation to the six-man. It was originally called an Australian Rules Tag well, Match. That would make sense because you, you always hear that. You would hear that a lot during the 70s and then up into the early 80s. Uh, you would hear an Australian Rules Tag Match and it's like, and I never knew. So that would actually make sense that the original was a six-man, and when they went up, broke it off to two, it had a gimmick name. Because, like I said, I always heard it, but I never knew what it, what it meant. Because I was like, why didn't you just a regular tag match? Why is it a all straight? So that makes sense. So, um, so you learn something new every day. So this was a six-man. It was Art Thomas, Johnny Valentine, and Sweet Daddy Sicky against the Fabulous Kangaroos and their manager, Red Berry. Another thing that was... Uh, it, um, about this match, I know I'm, I'm going more in detail on the card than it, we really didn't. I know we're supposed to be talking about the match, but for this time period, uh, you didn't have a lot of black wrestlers uh, working white wrestlers or even teaming. As uh, Art Thomas and Sweet Daddy Sicky's teaming with John John Valentine. So that that's really, um, even though it was in the North, it's still in 61, that was still a little... Little, yeah, so, so a little taboo, yeah. Yeah, you did see a lot of that. Um, then we got the sixth match was the Sicilians, um, Lou Albano and Tony Altamont, is that how you pronounce it, I think? I believe so, yeah. I think it's like. They went against the G Men, uh, Billy Goals and Johnny Gilbert. I don't know who the G Men were. Um, uh, so. The Sicilians kind of, they did like a gangster gimmick, so was the G-Men, or they, I don't know what that, huh, that'd be interesting, I'll look that up later on. Uh, well, was, I, thought the, I thought the Sicilians were almost a gangster gimmick. That's what I'm saying, yeah, that's what I'm saying, so I don't know what the G-Men, you think G-Men might, would have been like a gangster gimmick too, probably, maybe? I'd be a gimmick in back in the 60s. Yeah, somebody gonna get stretched. <laughs> um... Captain Luger's going to bleed all over you. <laughs> um, yeah, you need to take a textbook back bump every time. Yeah. So we got the seventh match is Haystacks, Haystacks, <laughs> Haystacks Calhoun against the Crusher. I don't know if that was, um, I'm assuming it was um, Reggie. In, in this time period, it had to be. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. It just says the Crusher on it. Um, uh, what is the name? Ed Wachowski? Reggie. Reggie was Reggie was was something. Wachowski. Yeah. The 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 crusher. The crusher. I, I, I love I love the crusher. Um, you know. I'm not from Wisconsin, but my family is in Milwaukee. I wanna go see the Crusher statue. Oh yeah. His promos were amazing. Chopping on the cigar with a giant keg. <laughs> you talk about his workout regimen would be lifting kegs, drinking beer, yep. and pole dancing. Yeah. That was a shoot from what they say. <laughs> he yeah, it's, it's the best. Yeah. The guy's gimmick was I live my best life. Yeah. 
So then we got the ninth match tonight. It's the main event. It's the, uh, Buddy Rogers challenging the NWA champion, Pat O'Connor. So yeah, that was the whole card. It was eight big matches. Uh, like I said, for that time period, that was the biggest crowd. Uh, at least Chicago had had at the time. They might have been some other ones. I don't know. I can't remember if it was the biggest one in the United States, but it definitely was the biggest crowd for Chicago up until that day. Now, I think it... Um, what they say? Some what passed it was it? Uh, I believe WrestleMania three. Yeah, it was WrestleMania? Yeah, that's right. It was three? No, no, I'm talking about for Chicago. Oh, uh, I'm not sure. It was a wrestle. I came. It it was like it was. Uh, I think it was like thirty or forty years later. Somebody finally broke it. The tennis record for wrestling there in Chicago. Um. But yeah, I think there actually were some bigger ones in the country before that. I'm not for sure because they used to do a lot of Chicago used to do Chicago and those. Uh, I, I don't know if New York. I know they used to do them big, uh, like the big outdoor things. But, uh, but yeah, I found that car. So that was car eight big matches. Uh, like I said, I know most of these names stick out, so that they were, you know, stars at the time. So. Um, so they stacked a heavy card to get you know on with with the with the uh, world title at the end. So. Yeah, and you you had mentioned uh, the the crowd size, both the legitimate number of and the number I got was uh, thirty eight thousand eight hundred sixty two. Um, but they I've seen it work as much as forty as little as forty one thousand and as much as over fifty thousand. Which when you listen to this broadcast, you will hear over and over. Yeah. Uh, but I did see a little fact check that said the gate for this was $148,000. Now, do you know what that would be in today's dollars? Uh, probably about $50 million. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite. Okay. Uh, two million. How much? Two million, two hundred eighty-eight thousand ninety dollars and three cents in today's dollars. Two million dollar gate? That's what it was associated Ooh, to. Yeah. Man. That's some money right there, dude. Yeah. And how the, I don't know how the title was uh, paid up then, but at one point it was 10% of the house. Yeah, I know. That's what I was, I was like. I was wondering. I was like, uh, if they, So it's 10% of the house. No, oh, yeah, if the champion got 10% of the house, whoo, that's a, he just made his whole career. Yeah, assuming it's a title change, that guy would also get 10% of the house. I don't know. I don't know how they did that back in. That's you know, that that yeah that's um that making making you for a year you know guaranteed like you're set. Oh, for that's that's like a that's what a normal what a normal guy in the business would would make like a you know a ten year run in the territory days you know. Yeah. In one <laughs> night. <laughs> And not only that, we had on, on top of this uh, the drawing power. Because uh, uh, so at, at the time, Buddy Rogers is the, even though he's not the champion, is the top drawing star in the business. Yeah, that's what was kind of weird. How usually your your you know your top guy is drawn is usually your champion or had been champion, pre, you know. Previously, you know, in recent, 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 you know, time, uh, for him not to be, you know, but he was the U.S. champion, which 
Um, back then, the U.S. champion was uh, a big deal, too. It was really big. You know, it ain't like, I mean, you know, when WCW, you know, <laughs> pretty much. But, you know what I'm saying? It was big time. But, um, so, yeah, he, so, yeah, he was definitely the most popular because he was, um, you know, uh, he he was on that Dumont thing a lot because he was you know Kohler Kohler how do you say his name Kohler Fred Kohler, so out of Chicago but he had that U.S. you know belt so I, you know he wasn't the top guy in the business but he was a top draw in the business if that makes yeah, the, the, makes sense yeah the, <laughs> the the article you sent me for, uh, on Slam Wrestling it actually described the, the match as like a turning point in wrestling history uh, where the legitimacy of the champion finally gave way to the showman. Yeah. Um, and it kind of became, this kind of the start of what would become the WWWF. Yeah, it uh, was, yeah. Go ahead. I don't know, the, the match is just like, it's such a, it's such an easy story because it's literally like, it's a, a New Zealand born amateur wrestling champion and like the ultimate hero. And he's taking on an arrogant beach, uh, beach blonde like best drawing professional wrestling attraction in the mid twentieth century, and on top of that, it had the promotion of Fred Kohler, a partnership in the reach of the Dumont Network, yeah. and then they also had the influences of Vincent J. McMahon, Vince Senior, and it resulted into like a, a record setting gate. Yeah. Um, and it's like a, it was a turnaround. Uh, it's a little into the future, but it ended up being the turnaround for the business for the WWF territory. Yeah. Yeah. It even went on to establish what we know as the WWE Championship currently today, the beginning of its lineage. Yeah, it, it's yeah, because um, yeah, he was basically a Kohler and that Vince. I know they said Vince Senior loved. I don't know how much Toots Monk, you know, was behind him, but definitely Vince Senior was definitely all about Rogers. From what I read, was uh, so I'm assuming that if I'm sure. Tootsmont got behind him, you know, a little bit. Uh, yeah, when I read Tootsmont and Vince, when they were on the NWA board, both the, both had, had been vying for Rogers, you yeah. know, for a while. Yeah, to, I, I, I think, I think uh, with them being in New York, they realized that's money for them. He would be money for them, you know, because um, he was flashy and, and brass. And that, and that territory... It, was great as, as far as you didn't work all the time. You know, if you're a cool guy, you only work the big towns. Yeah. And the big towns gave you the big payoffs where you could just work the big towns. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, see, that, what well, I also, did you, I think it was that same article talking about how the NWA got mad at, because they tr tried to keep, keep him up in, Northeast, and they got the NWA got mad about it or something like it because he would go, he'd do like all the Northeast towns and would do like Texas, and that was about it. He yeah, yeah, I got that in my, uh, in my notes for the, for the aftermath of that. Yeah, um, the Northeast Territory, uh, Chicago took up a lot of those, Texas. Well, we'll say that to the end. At the end, we'll say yeah. that to the end now. But in the Pacific Northwest, yeah, apparently after he, he won this because it's a, 
somewhere on the road, Vince became his legitimate shoot manager. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like the deal he had with Andre. Yeah. So if you weren't on Vince's good side, you weren't getting dates on the channel. Yeah. Yeah, and all, all the brilliant business move for Vince Senior. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and all his towns would be first come for you know he, he would his would get but he would book him. His towns would get the champion before anybody else's. <laughs> so yeah, if he's working Pittsburgh, Rogers is going to be there. If he's working friggin' Hellertown or something like that, eh, we can leave him off. Yeah. 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 So all right, so um, the. Um, uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. The, um, did you notice his manager, uh, Bobby Davis? Uh, no, I didn't. And, and I, knew, I knew he was there. But because he had very little to do. You, never, um, you saw him at the very beginning of the match? You didn't even see him at the end. Yeah, no, not at all. It was, and it you was know, it, and tell you something that's really crazy. Do you know he passed away like three days ago? No, I didn't. Yep. He passed away like three days ago. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. That's what I was like. Cause I, somebody, and I didn't know he was still alive, actually. And uh, somebody posted, and I was like, all right. So I looked at it, and I said, well, maybe it's just an old post, you know. And then I went to some, uh, I think, like the Cauliflower, and they had it up, I think. And I was like, all right, it's, uh, but yeah, he, um, I didn't know. Yeah, he, he passed away, like, it was, yeah, I think three days ago. But uh, yeah, he didn't, you saw him at the beginning. He steps down, and you never see him again the whole match. Because, like I said, he didn't even come back in the ring after it was over. I mean, he might have, but they cut it off. The tape cut off, too. So, he might yeah. have, but the even when he was in there, you know, it, you know, at the end. But it was just odd. Um, I'm just wondering, did managers not get heat back then? Or up, up, up north? Or was, it, was it just a southern thing, maybe? I mean, a lot of the managers you saw in Northern Territories, and just just from old stuff I've watched, were you saw more babyface managers. Yeah, they, they, they put a babyface with, with a guy that they wanted to push. Yeah, I'm you wondering. Saw that in the in the Northeast, and I'm wondering since it's a world title match too, they your manager didn't do anything to take away from it. So I'm, it, you know, because I'm thinking that too, probably at that time period. You, you, the belt's legit. You don't want, yeah. You don't know shenanigans going on or anything like that because it was still everything was legit. All right. So here's the first thing I noticed about this match. <laughs> Besides the fact that the, the footage is great, like for how old it is, yeah, it's yeah. And I think you you laugh, so I think you know where I'm going on this. Maybe the lighting rig that's connected to the ring. <laughs> seems horribly dangerous <laughs> you, you know what it reminds me of and I, what's that thing I posted on Facebook from uh, that botch thing or that guy that pole that's what it looked like didn't it <laughs> oh yeah the guy trying to climb the pole the pole breaks yeah that's what those poles those the lighting poles look like didn't it it was like ooh yeah, like, I, I don't care if someone hit the ropes or what it was, but the whole contraption starts shaking. <laughs> yeah, and, they, and, <laughs> they yeah, didn't put some money into that. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm just saying, it just, just 
didn't seem safe. No, it did. It, you can tell they put no money into that whatsoever. Yeah, that that wasn't past any um, OSHA <laughs> standards nowadays. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean this venue doesn't have a single light bulb above the ring? <laughs> we have no roof. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was wild to see to see that. Um, the fact that it didn't fall down on their heads during the match. Um, I guess you know. I, I was thinking. I was like, why don't they just cut the the field lights on? But you, I guess you still wanted that, you know, they still believed in everything being dark except for the ring, you know? Yeah. Even in, even in, <laughs> but I'm thinking, whoo, man, that, <laughs> man, yeah, that was, that was really, um, not much money was spent into that thing at all. No, but I'm sure they pocketed so much on the back end. Oh, yeah, because they spent probably 50 bucks in materials. <laughs> and then they, and then you saw what the gate was. So, yeah, that was, um, well, yeah, that was really, I noticed that. It, I was like, because it, <laughs> it, I looked at it, I was like, okay, those poles are like, like this, they're like, Size of a baseball bat holding up, <laughs> holding up that lighting up there. <laughs> That's gonna, you know, yeah. But you know, it was the '60s. <laughs> that was high tech, I guess. I don't know. Um, Speaking of the '60s, the, the, the mat also seemed stiff. The ring, yes. And did you notice they don't? They didn't bump. They rolled. I was thinking, man, I should have did that all those years. <laughs> yeah, they, everything's a roll. Everything was a roll. That's loose libre, man. Everything's a roll. I'm thinking, I bet back then there wasn't, I bet there wasn't no difference in a boxing ring and a wrestling ring floor-wise. You're probably right on that. Yeah. Especially because that's a big, big 20-foot ring. I bet there wasn't. That's why they rolled on everything. Everything, I mean, you didn't, even the bills, the bills they took, they rolled through them, you know? Tackles yeah. rolled through. It was, so God, yeah, I, 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 bet, I bet money on it. There, there was no difference in the flooring back then. Yeah, no, I, I would take that bet easily. Yeah. We did get my favorite thing in wrestling, and I, I love it ridiculously is championship entrances or not entrances but introductions yeah I love that so much I think it makes anybody look bigger um I, I hate being introduced as you're on your way to the ring yeah it, I think all your heavy, like your 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 two mate like your heavyweight title and your tag titles if it's a title match I think it needs to be yeah introduced after you, uh, when everybody's in the ring, it means more. It, it, and they actually came together for referee instructions. Yeah. Uh, the referee was wearing like the world's largest short sleeve button up shirt. <laughs> he had, he was definitely comfortable. <laughs> you got to think about it. Um, June thirtieth, even in Chicago, that's it's probably a little warm at night. 
Well, yeah. actually, it depends on how how the the well depends on how the the wind coming off the lake is, but it can be it can get it can get a little sticky into June early July. You know, it starts getting warm up there, so it, it could have been you know brisk or it could have been sticky that night. You know, but yeah, he yeah. was def he was definitely going for comfort. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um. <laughs> now, Bobby yeah. Davis, boy, he was pimped out, wasn't he? A little bit we saw of him. Yeah, we didn't get enough time to enjoy it. Do you know, I heard, I read somewhere, I know we're getting, I'm getting way off the subject here, but they said that Bobby Heenan, when he, he tried to uh, clone his manager uh, gimmick after Bobby Davis. I read that somewhere. He tried to... I didn't do that, that. That makes sense. Yeah. That he tried That's to... Uh, that he tried to, you know, take what little bit of Bobby Davis he could and... Uh, he when he started managing. Okay, <laughs> um, how do we start this match off? Because it kind of they start off and the guy was still talking. Um, was that Mean Gene Okerlund? Yeah. So they, they had yeah. Uh, th this was released either on DVD or VHS. Uh, judging by the quality, I'd probably say DVD, but it just could have been a very good port. Um, but Mean Gene would intro and I guess exit the matches. So I'm wondering. This um, so was this like a um, maybe a, a series of tapes or DVDs this Wrestling Classics put out? Yeah, I, I don't know if Wrestling Classics were the original people who put them out. Um, but the thing, the, talking about the thing that Gene does because it whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think there was a an ad in the lower third, and I didn't pay attention to it correctly. Who originally put it out? Okay. Uh, I can't remember what the original DVD was called. Okay. Um, or door tape. Uh, I don't know when this came out. Um, judging by when Gene was gone, probably had been switched to DVD. Uh, but the, the fact that they had this amazing footage, yeah. And I would send this to students to watch just to see a a perfect like babyface heel dichotomy. Yeah. Well, they started off. Well. Um, a couple rope breaks, and then Rogers peppered him once, and then he come back to pepper him again, and he forearmed him back. And uh, but then it went in basically. Um, they went into uh, trading top wrist locks and uh, and worked it beautifully. Did you? It it was good because they, you know, it's like they you know they switched it. You know they 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 start they started out. It was, I don't know, but just the pace of it, this match was paced out really good, I thought. Um, yeah, no, I, and they I, didn't I do a lot. They didn't do a lot. But what they did, Mintz, everything they did, I'll put it this way, if you totaled up the whole thing they did in this match, just say, uh, not actually for, you know, like, uh, just say of, of, of all the stuff they did, not actually naming it, but just amount of stuff to matches nowadays, what they did in all three falls is like two minutes of a regular match now. <laughs> but they yeah, they paced it. Their body language and how they sold everything. Yes. Made it Those lockups, when they were in a lockup for a while, they're constantly jockeying for position. You know, when they're working that top wrist lock, they worked that for a good, a solid probably two minutes. Yeah, yeah. The first fall happened in eight minutes or something. At least two minutes of that. It's not more because they came back up from the top wrist lock. Man, that... Um, in the top wrist lock. The uh, the twisting 
arm bar that O'Connor was doing. That was beautiful, dude. Dude, it's, it's, my, it's my new favorite thing. Um, when, when you watch this match, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. It's a traditional arm bar, but he walks around the entire body, and it looks like he's ripping Rogers' arm. Yeah, and, and Rogers is selling like crazy for it. And, and that, another thing is the contrast between the kind of bumps and kind of sells uh, that Pat O'Connor did versus the bumping and selling that Rogers did from the get-go, just from body language. Yeah. We had no commentary, no clue who either one of these guys are. We know who's the heel and who's the baby face. Yeah. But, man, that I've, I don't think I've ever seen I've, that the work of the arm like that just over and over. Man, that was great, dude. That was, oh, I love that. It was fantastic. And when he started doing it, the crowd started popping for it. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm getting that either you know, that's something he's known for. That's what I'm thinking. It's either something he's known for or it's just something that was really impressive. And it, I mean, it was really impressive to me. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, these fans are very educated uh, to the point Rogers gets a little opening and he hooks the figure four. Yeah. And as soon as he hooks it, he doesn't have a chance to fall back before getting, you know, forearmed out. But as soon as he hooks it, the fans react. Like, come out of their seat, react. Yeah, because they knew it was coming. They see, he, he, yeah, he, he went to, he got the one leg in and brought the leg over, and they're like, oh, crap. And, yeah. But they traded body slams after, they worked that arm, too, for about a minute and a half, a little more than that. Then they went to a spot where they both uh, traded body slams. Uh, Rogers took the second one. I I don't know, but it it didn't it looked shaky. The way O'Connor did his body slams, they look they were really unsafe looking to me. He would he would uh, because I I watched his body slams. He pivoted his hips when he did it. He didn't have a solid stance, and he would throw the guy. He wouldn't tuck the guy and throw him. He would yeah. just toss. But that um, first one, though... It's a really cool way to do it. But that first one, Rogers, I didn't think he was going to get over in time. Yeah, yeah, when well, he dropped to his knees. That first one was a little shaky. The other ones in the in the match looked okay. But that first one was like, whoa, that could have been a little rough. <laughs> yeah, that first one, he dropped to his knees on it, and it got very scary for yeah. a second. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, that figure fun. four, though, that, that was good because, you know... It, he he just barely grabbed it, and, you know. Wouldn't even and the the crowd went ape crap, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, these wrestling fans, they they knew. Yeah. You know, they they knew what these things were. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's why when you see a lot of the guys go, they they don't care about color commentary or names and moves because people don't know. No, they know. That's how they're educated. You don't have to know the name of every move, but... Yeah. Well, the, well like, you know, I said that this match was paced really good. If you notice, they kept it basic, you know, with stuff, and then they would do a little simple high spot, get the crowd back in, and they'd go back down to, you know, a hold, working a hold or something. You know what I'm saying? they just give them just a little bitty something, just a little bitty high spot, and it's so basic... Everything was in was so basic, but the way they did it was just was extraordinary, you know. 
it's it's a five course meal, man. They feed you a little bit at a time, but you never get the stuff. But you get to have a little bit of everything. Um, and they're and they're telling a story throughout. And these two are our master storytellers. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's a basic story. They didn't get super cute with it. It's a heel being out wrestled at each and every turn. Finally gaining advantage after breaking the rules, only to be foiled again. Well, right before that, though, you got to, we can't, <laughs> I was shocked. Uh, it was still, he was still shining. Uh, it was right after that figure four breakup, and then he got back, uh, Connor got back on, and he grabbed him to go for a pile driver. I didn't even know they were doing pile drivers back then. Uh, I, I didn't either. I didn't either. But yeah, he hooked him for the pile driver. And uh, Rogers forced him into the corner. Yeah, into the ropes for the. Yeah, I was like, because I was like, wow, I didn't, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of stuff from that time, but it just I didn't realize they were actually doing that back then. Oh. I, we thought Jerry Lawler invented it. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's probably the first one I've ever seen use it, probably because you know it's all I ever saw growing up. Till you know, cable come along. Um. Then Buddy Rogers started working the headlock, and um, he, uh, it was, I put on here, Pat O'Connor uh, fired him up in the corner, and I gave him some, he, he was, he dishing out them forearms to the chest, I, I, that was a big thing, all the way up to the 70s, was a, you know, he forearmed to the chest, and um, the, uh, he built him, and they. I think he took. I think Rogers took like five bills in this match, and uh, this was actually going into the finish. Actually, of the first fall, he built him out of the corner. Um, Rogers comes up. They hit a shoulder tackle. Rogers stumbles over into the corner. Uh, Pat O'Connor charges. Rogers puts up his uh, knee, hits it, and goes down for the, and covers him right there. You know, nowadays. It's like that's that. <laughs> there's no way it's a finish. But '61, that was a finish, you know. Well, th- think about how believable, believable it is, though. You it looked good, though. It looked like he because he did he lunged and like lunged at him, and it did look good. Yeah, well, I mean that, that's that's what it is, man. It's super believable. The, the story, you know, no matter how many times you've done break the rules, you get foiled again. You, you fire the baby face up more and more. And then finally, as the baby face is, is fired up as humanly possible, you sneak a knee in. Yeah. And a knee to the jaw with somebody who's not expecting to go full speed will put you down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely. It, it, was a, it was a super solid finish. Yeah, for that time period, it definitely was. And did, and this is what I like. This one that they, uh, they did an intermission. I didn't write down the intermission. <laughs> so you said you did. So I'll let you talk about the little inter, the intermission between the first and the second fall. Uh, so our announcer, we, neither one of us caught his name, um, but he's a very stereotypical 1950s, 60s announcer. I'm surprised he didn't have a cigarette in his hand. Uh, <laughs> he, he interviews uh, the kangaroos and their manager, uh, Wild Red Barry. Yeah. Um, and Barry is not much of a heel here. He, he puts over the crowd. He puts over how, how big this match is. And then they are asked for their picks. And they put over they put over um, O'Connor, don't they? 
Well, Barry uh, says the, the you know traditional non-pick. Um, then Costello does the non-pick, and I forgot the third member. Roy Hefferman? Uh, yeah. He, he goes, well, O'Connor's from, from, New, uh, from New Zealand. We're from Australia, so I guess we'll go for him. And the announcer just calls them out because they're heels. Yeah. <laughs> and, and says, oh, well, with the way you guys wrestle, we figured you'd be going with the other guy. Yeah. Hey, let's go back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but really solid because the, the kangaroos with Red Berry were wrestling royalty may be where the Australian rules tag match came from. I don't know. I bet it was. Had to be. But, you know, the kangaroos were at one point like the measuring stick of like in ring wrestling. Oh yeah, they were the um, they were the top traveling babyface. Oh not baby, the hill team there. Them in in the fifties and going into the into the sixties, and I think and then I they I think they started slowing down, and then that's when the assassins kicked in. You know, kind of took over their um, being the top traveling heel team in America, but they were definitely through the 50s and uh, early 60s. And fun fact that I know because of you, Al Snow was a kangaroo. Yeah, that's what's crazy, ain't it? Yeah, Al Snow, Al, people don't know people, well, not since the internet they do, but yeah, he was a, he was a kangaroo, him and uh, Denny Cass, Cass, or however you say his name. Uh, I think he passed away a little while back, a few years back. But yeah, he was a kangaroo with... Um, uh, Costello was their manager. Uh, back up, it was what ninety two, ninety three ish, maybe something like that. Uh, so they come back from um, start to second fall, and <laughs> Buddy Rogers grabs a hammerlock and go. And he starts at first time grabs a hammerlock and cheats. You see him go? Up, he he just starts choking. He just takes his little hand just. Puts it on uh, O'Connor's throat and just starts choking him in a hammerlock. Yeah, but no, notice this. Notice that he's hiding it. Yeah, oh yeah. He's, he's, and then the ref, actually the ref asked him one time and he said, and he, said and he said he had it on his jaw. <laughs> but it was just, it was shot. That he's like, it was, he was like, okay, you know, the whole mentality is I'm up one. I'm, I'm pulling the stops. I'm into this, you know, but, um, it was this was and really this is the first cheat anybody doing any cheating in this match. Uh, no, no. Well, there was some in the first fall. Yeah, in the uh, the top wrist lock exchange, uh, Rogers was pulling hair. That's right. I'm duh. Dang it. Okay, never mind. That's <laughs> all they were telling is that he he would cheat. He'd get the advantage. That's right. That was at the first of it. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about it. <laughs> Noticed um, the uh, Rogers had a, had a hammerlock on O'Connor, 
Um, O'Connor's legs were in the ropes. The ref didn't break it. Didn't ask yeah, him to break the hole. They were under the ropes and they didn't break, but anytime they were on the ropes, the so they, they so back count. then so back then under the ropes didn't count then, right? Either that or that ref just didn't care. <laughs> well, I noticed another thing on punches. I've seen some no, punches, huh? No, it's said a word. Yeah. Now, did you do notice though? Um, O'Connor, uh, he had he had O'Connor on the hammerlock at one point, and O'Connor backed him up into the middle of the ropes, and he tried to hit that flying mare on Rogers. Rogers hooked that middle rope. Yeah. And O'Connor went flying, but he held on the hammerlock, and the ref asked because the people started getting on him for holding the rope, and the, and the ref came over and asked him, was, was asking if he held the middle rope, if he if he held the rope. But that looked good because he would hit that flying mare. He jumped, hit that flying mare, and he held that. He grabbed it with that other hand, but he held on to the hammerlock, too, at the same time. I was like, man, that looked really good. Yeah, again, like, when I say magician, like, he would, he would sneak it in at the last possible second, but long enough for you to notice. He'd yeah. make it big enough for you to notice, but not big enough where the ref looked like an idiot. Yeah, it looked good. It was like, yeah, like I said, the last second, he grabbed that, and, and like I said, perfect timing, because like I said, he jumped. I don't see how, he, how they did it, because... I would have, I would have lost the hammerlock trying to grab the rope and hold on the hammerlock with him jump because he because O'Connor jumped up high to, you, you know it had to be a visual of, of that flying mare and uh, I'll say I couldn't have held on I would have lost him <laughs> he would have flew off <laughs> but yeah that was I mean yeah he hit the last second he hooked and man the people got hot they they saw it and they got hot and the ref come up it was just like I said it's that little stuff man they didn't do much that. What they did, that just that little nowadays, you wouldn't think nothing about it, you know, because it's so crazy nowadays. But just that little sneak of grabbing that rope the last second, you know, got the people hot, you know. How easy was that to make, you know, what I'm saying, I mean, of the timing part, I'm not sure that was kind of it was a little tricky getting it down pat, but what you did, it was so easy, and you got it's like how much you got off something so easy. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, you talk about little things. So shortly after this, we we get a, a bit of a comeback from O'Connor, but his comeback is a single leg takedown and grinding a hold. Yeah, that yeah, he shot that single leg on him, and he um, he put one foot on one of the ankles, and he was wrenching that other one, and and Roger was selling it crazy, and the people were eating. I mean, it was yeah. That's, it just uh, shot us, but I did put on here, I put, uh, Connor uh, just stopped selling the arm and shot the single leg. <laughs> so nowadays people say, oh, they used to sell back in the day, nowadays people don't sell. Well, actually it ain't true because we just saw him, he just stopped selling the arm and shot that single leg, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it was a difference between restaurant and selling. No, I know. I know. I'm just. just give up on the. I'm just making light of it, you know. <laughs> but no, but yeah. yeah, that he he was wrenching that ankle, and he had and that sort of thing. Um, it was it, it was he good. Hold in one position. He could put it in different positions. Yeah. It looked like he was trying to break that joint. You no, know, did you notice one time? I I swear it looked like he had almost had it in a. The ankle in a cravat almost. 
Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's a relatively basic hold, like, now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I don't even know what it's called. We teach it at the academy, but I have no idea what it's actually called. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah was, you're, was... you're, you're twisting the ankle, you're twisting the knee, and you're also stretching the, uh, the, inner, you know, the inner groin area a little bit. Um, but you twist it that way, but then he grabbed the toe and the ankle and then twist it the other way and push it down and grind it. Yeah, it looked good, man. And, yeah, and between that and just Roger screaming and selling. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Like, it's the little stuff, man. I mean, it, that move, just the way they, the, they, like I said, I get back to the way they pace the match and put stuff where it needs to be and the selling of the, of the little stuff and, you know, the selling of the main stuff of, you know, of like, you know, like yeah, he like he was just twisting his foot off, you know, and I like because he had that other leg on his other other foot holding it down, where he couldn't, you know, couldn't kick him off, you know. It, it was good. It was really good stuff. And wouldn't you know it, so we we get not even, it's not even a comeback because he's in control, but a a fire up. Uh, from Pat O'Connor, and wouldn't you know what won the match? Well, you missed some nice stuff, dude. I guess I took better notes. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, well, what did you catch? Okay. Well, I, I guess it, because like I said, I haven't seen a lot of this old stuff, so when I see something do, and they, they do it, it's like, whoa. Uh, so he was working that leg, and, he, and Rogers kicked him off. And, uh, and they did it, and they came up, O'Connor gave him a tackle. Um, I'm sorry, no, he He First time, he kicked him off, and he did a, um, is it nip up or kip up? I've, I've heard it both ways. I have yeah, too. That's, uh, that's O'Connor's preferred way to get off the mat. Yeah, he did it like eight times in this match. But that was the first one he did, and I was like, holy smokes. You know, it, it, and he got back when he, he nipped up, and, and he, uh, hit that single leg again. And it's like, dang. You know? And then, um, he, uh, he kicked him off again, and they hit a tackle. Then Roberts hits a, uh, Roberts. Rogers hits a drop kick. Uh, but then, O'Connor kicks up again, and then grabs a single leg again. It was just, it was simple stuff, but like I said, I, him doing, he, he just, that's why, yeah, like you said, that was why he was getting up. And it was it just looks so good. Yeah. Yeah, the spacing and timing was impeccable. Um and they and they kept going back to the hole and that kept getting the people invested in the hole. Okay. You know, kick off single leg hole. Yeah. Just keep going back to it. Okay, then after that, um, is where uh, O'Connor starts punching. Then this was the first punches. I think he's thrown the whole fight, ain't it? Or match, ain't it? Uh, I think he snuck in one headlock punch before that. Did he? Okay. But this is when he saw this, and this would make, and this was was good. Um. Oh, uh, you know he he's firing up. He's you know getting some punches. Uh, you know um. That's a kiss, but the the ref though never says nothing on none of these punches. So was punches legal then? For, you know the rules of. I'm curious about that as well. Because not a lot of people threw punches in. It seemed like that would really be an illegal. 
Yeah. And, and like when he first did the headlock punch, I was like, oh, he hit it. And then he stopped hiding it. He just do it right in front of the ref. And the ref never said a word. It, it, I don't know. The ref was too busy being extremely comfortable. <laughs> okay. Well, so this is so going to the finish of the second match. Um, let's say it, he started, he's breaking out the punches big time now. Um, they, um, O'Connor Bills, uh, Robert, uh, Robert, gosh, why well, keep saying Roberts? Rogers, uh, out of the corner, uh, Rogers hits a shoulder tackle, O'Connor kips up, nips up, whatever, when he nips up, he grabs, uh, Rogers goes up for the O'Connor roll, for the win. The people went nuts. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's the thing too. So he, it's obviously now it's called the O'Connor roll. His <laughs> name was Rolling Reverse Cradle, but like that's the move that's become so synonymous with Pat O'Connor that forever the move has his name. Yeah. And the people knew, hey, that is choice pinning combination. And and, and I, when he won, he went he went crazy, jumped like you know. It, that's the little things nowadays. They win. They're like, oh, you know, he he's jumping up and down. You know, it just everything yeah, meant something. They're almost too cool to celebrate. Do what? They're almost too cool to celebrate. Yeah, but he got up, even though there were, it was still another fall to go. He was going, you know, like, oh, yes, I did it. You know, we're I'm still in it. You know, so it, it was. Um, and the people went nuts for it. Like I said, they knew that was his 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 thing. Now, I, this third fall, <laughs> this probably I love this part. Uh, oh, there was another mission, wasn't there? A break. Yeah. Okay. Like I said I didn't write that's why I didn't write it down. That's why. I, so since I didn't write it down, you did take this other intermission break here and tell me. Uh, yeah, and, and I'll keep this real short. So the. Uh now, now interviews the mighty Goliath, uh, excuse me, the mighty Atlas. I'm still stuck in Memphis. <laughs> the mighty Atlas, uh, in, in regards to the crowd and the match itself, um, mighty Atlas cut the generic promo, but his voice sounds like a, like an Italian mafia stereotype, <laughs> and he says um every other word. Yeah, he was not very good on the mic, was he? No, um, <laughs> he does offer to give a pick. And then doesn't give a pick. Uh, then he says he's wrestled both men, and then immediately gets it in that he's beaten Rogers yeah. years ago. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I said, "Oh, he's putting himself over." <laughs> yeah, you know, I've seen his name and like and old results and stuff. I don't know how big of a star he really was. I don't know, you know. If you know however big he really was of a star, um, but I do remember seeing his name on stuff around that time period. Um, I'm trying to think, have you said? Do you remember anything? Have you ever heard anything about him? I've seen his name. I know absolutely nothing about him. So like, you're like me, man. That interview that I knew about him before. The was truth, a... you know, I thought he was foreign until we talked. I didn't know. I thought he was for some reason. I always thought he was a fo he was foreign, and then he didn't have an you know he didn't have an accent. And I was like, okay, 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, we're uh, coming up on uh, 50-something, so we're going to take a little break, and uh, we'll be right back. Well, shoot. Oh. <laughs> Hello, wrestling fans. It's Quinkers. Hey, that's me. And I'm going to talk about a place. A place that has a lot of great things. That place is Crowbar Press. And if you've been listening to us for the last month or so, I've been talking about breaking down and actually buying a book. And guess what happened today? Check the mail and guess what was in the mail? Slamograms Volume 2. Classic Arena Programs Number 2. That's right, I got me a book, folks. And... I wanted to read it so bad, but we had to do the podcast today. So as soon as we get done with the podcast, I probably won't sleep tonight. Because uh, just looking at the cover of this thing, uh, you know, like I've always said, I'm a big Nick Goulas mark, and this is what this is about. So um, I'm going to be in heaven tonight, folks. Uh, so that's all i got to talk about, because I'm just sitting here looking at it, and I'm still lost for words. So I'm going to let uh, Jeremiah Plunkett, He's going to take over the rest of this uh, crowbar press thing we're doing here. So, because I'm going to look at this book a little bit while he's talking. Well, in, in honor of today's episode, uh, I, the two spotlights I'm going to do uh, are actually on a book and a poster. Um, so, the book was just released uh, in early December. Uh, it was Master of the Ring, the biography of the teacher boy Buddy Rogers by Tim Hornbaker. Um, and that's already, I've already seen online that book's doing very well, so you might want to get your copy while you can. The other thing uh, that I want to do, and again, in honor of the show that we're covering, um, under Crowbar Press's posters, he has a series of Golden Age posters. Uh, these are replica posters, and aren't the, the actual poster. Um, yeah, so these are replicas that have been made to commemorate these cards. And wouldn't you know it, Chicago, Illinois, Comiskey Park, June 30th, 1961, is one of the posters that has been recreated by Scott Peel uh, and it's for sale on his website. Um, it has the entire car listed out. Uh, it's done in that classic old school style that everybody loves. And a little note about this show that we learned from Scott Peel and that you have learned as well. Um, this event was the first ever closed circuit pro wrestling event. That's crazy. I did not know that. Wow. 61. Right. That, that's, I can't believe it went back that, that far. That's what's wild. So on top of the already record-setting house, they sold clo closed-circuit tickets. So that gate was awesome. Yeah, that, that that's amazing because you just found that out you know, just a while ago when you pulled that up. That So, yeah, on top of the, the gate they had that we were talking about earlier, they even got more money on top of that. That's just amazing. And folks, this is why you need to buy something from Scott. I didn't even pay a single red cent. I was just looking at his, web, his website, and I learned something. Yeah, that's what's crazy. Yeah, you just opened, you just opened up the link, and you learned something. So imagine what you can learn and enjoy, you know, at the same time. Learning and enjoying what you're doing at the same time go there, like I said, take an hour if you can, 
and Gil go digging deep because I mean he's got so much stuff. He's really got some neat stuff on there um, that you can't really find a lot of places or anywhere else probably. Uh, so if you do get yourself a you know, chance, give yourself a little time because he's got some really interesting stuff on there. And uh, and look around, so I, you're definitely gonna find something that you want. And uh, you know maybe not want to, you know, maybe you don't, you know. Not able to buy it this week and maybe next. We're just even later on. You know, just have it. Do you know that it's there, and you're going to pick that up because that's you know something you want. And uh, like I said, I'm sitting here looking at the Slammogram book, and I'm just I'm dying to get dive into it. And I hate books. I you know I mean this is mostly pictures too. But anyway, you know even a picture book I'm not you know, and I'm just I can't even wait to get into this book tonight. So if if I'm like that, just think if you're a serious reader or a serious um, wrestling fan of, of you know, uh, the um, territories and beyond, you know, just the old school, just, you know what I'm saying, just, you, it, it, that's, it's like, a, it's like a playground, you know, and um, it's got stuff, it's not, it hits really, priced really well, Um and like I've said before, he's not making no money off his stuff, you know. Because I mean, uh, so, uh, he's you know breaking even if he's lucky. Um, so you know, go get something off the website, help Scott out because uh, what money he gets off him, what you get, he puts it back into more of the um, research for more books. Because all Scott said, Scott is all, he's all about. Uh, preserving the history of wrestling and that's what I'm really into now is trying to preserve the, the history of wrestling because it's it's we're losing it every day and that's Scott's big thing um, so good on there not only you're gonna help Scott out you'll love what you get from there and um, so JP I bought a book so it's time for you to buy a book Hey, I will be buying a book from Crowbar Press within the next few weeks. Hey, there you go. All right, folks. So just go to crowbarpress.com and pick you some. And if you do get something, tell Scott we sent you. You know, tell him we, we're showing him some love over here at the Territorial Wrestling Review. And, uh, we, you know, there's other places you can buy stuff. But like I said, I'm a, you know, I'm a personal friend with Scott. He's my personal friend, whatever you will say. Uh, but... He's such a good dude, man. He deserves a lot more than what he gets out of what he does. But anyway, go to Crowbar Press. Show Scott some love. All right, folks, we're back. Um, let's go to this third fall. Uh, dude, this third fall, the way it started, I rolled. This was awesome. Oh, it was great. He's sorry. It's just been great, and that's why I picked it, but it, it does the proper escalation. The entire match. Each round is better than the round before. But he starts off this round. He gets. He's got. He's just a little cocky. Walk. He's starting to feel it. Buddy Rogers is starting to feel the cockiness. And, and like I said back then, you know, we talked earlier. Where this, there was no showmanship. Uh, There's showmanship in wrestling, but not for the world title. Your champion was not a showman. And for him to just start. Getting that cocky walk, that I just loved it. It was like, oh yeah, you know. Even though he just lost the fall, he's, you know, it, it was just, it was just awesome. 
And they, they paint it off even bigger. They do a little crisscross <laughs> high spot. Yeah, it's a the big forearm, and then we get the full Roger strut. Yes, it was like that forearm, and he's owning the ring. And this is why he was the top showman. You know, he was the top girl in the industry, not because of what he could do in the ring. And contrary to what everybody believes, and I will, I will fight on this hill, that Buddy Rogers was an excellent wrestler. Was he a shooter like Luthez? Probably not. No. Was he a hooker? Is he going to break your bones? No. But is he a professional wrestler and a really good one? Absolutely. He's, oh. not, a kid. He's not a guy who can't do anything else. Well, here's the thing. He then showed... I mean, working the arm and that hammerlock, and I mean, he he knows how to wrestle. He knows how to do the you know to wrestle. You know, chain. He can do it. You know. Um, so, that, but it's that whole thing of that time period, and you know, it, you know, it. Your champ, you had flamboyant guy. Like I mean, you know, actually at this time, probably the only person that drew, drew much as him was Gorgeous George. And he was on, but this was toward the end of, you know, his run. Uh, he, you know, so he was really, it was George was on his way out by 61. Or he might, was he, were he even still alive in 61? He wasn't doing much if he was. I'm trying to think. I don't think he, if he was still working, it wasn't much. Uh, so Rogers basically took over as the top, you know, entertainment person in the business at this point you know but that after they did that crisscross he hit the full strut because like I said at the beginning he did a little cocky walk he hit that full strut and you could see the people in the front row they did not like they didn't like that they didn't like an arrogance they, they at all they didn't like it but they, they came to see that yeah exactly yeah it's that love to hate so you know and you know at one point Ric Flair was the most hated man in wrestling Everyone wanted to see the strut, wanted to see the nose dive, wanted to see the handshake pull away, wanted to see him get military press on the top rope. <laughs> like, they, they wanted to see that act, right? So even though they hate you, they still want to see the greatest hit. Yeah. And yeah. Rogers pulled it out the perfect time, pulled it up in fall three. Don't yeah. give it to him, really. Yeah, it, it, was, it was perfect time and, and just... I mean, I loved it. It was just great. It was, it was, it was so good. And, um, yeah, I, I was just, I was like, wow. <laughs> and, and I also felt like, if you're looking at psychology-wise, he's also trying to slow the pace now, right? Because O'Connor came off, fired up the last round, and for the most, the majority of it, like, whooped him up pretty good. Yeah. So obviously, Rogers were like, "Hey, hold on, let's let's settle down." Yeah, kill the momentum. Because again, O'Connor is even now more fired up. He's got both fists balled and he's shaking. Yeah. So the difference in body language it, it tells the story itself. Yeah, it was um, <laughs> it was good. Um, and we get another one of your pile driver attempts. Yeah, we have to say it. They went. Uh, he went for another pile driver and. Um, uh, they actually didn't they do a um, hold on a second they did a double down first didn't they for the yeah they did a double knockout super early yeah and then they go then he goes for that pile drive again and they fall through the ropes I yeah like, and I don't know if you got this but Buddy Rogers actually reaches over and grabs the rope and pulls him I didn't catch that wow 
it's, it's great. It's, I mean, it makes so much sense. I don't want to be dropped on my head. He might have me this time. Yeah. He can't have me out here. But yeah, I, they, yeah, I didn't catch that. Wow. I'm glad you caught that. That's that's little, the little things there. But yeah, they fell through the ropes this time, so just going back into the ropes. Uh, and they came when they got back up. They came back when they got back in. O'Connor hit two body slams on him, and uh, he went for the cover. And uh, like you remember, I said his foot was under the rope. And they they didn't count it this time. His foot was on the rope, and, and they did stop the count. So you're right about that. They uh, obviously under the rope didn't count then, but on the rope did because here they you know. Uh, then he, um, they did it again, another slam, he covered him, foot was on the ropes again, and you could see O'Connor was getting frustrated, because he thought he had him again, and he did, but right the last time, you know, he put that foot on the rope, um, so it's like, you know, it's like, you know, he could t his emotions is coming out, it was, you know, he, could, he started really showing it, it's like, oh man, you know, I had him twice, and he's got his foot on the ropes, and it just... It was just really good. Like I said, the simple stuff. He's showing that emotion of you know, I had him. You know, it, it was. I just. It was really, really good. And, and the body slams each sold differently. Uh, each time, each time he's in the air, he's oh god. Yeah. Landed like one time he'll sell it kind of pretty realistic. The next time he'll sell it huge and bounce around on his backside. You know, and then like when there's going to be a pin, he's dead. Yeah. And he doesn't even attempt to get his shoulders up his leg. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I say that O'Connor, especially that last one, he's like, oh, you know, because, yeah, he just draped that foot over, and he was like, he thought he had him because he was so, you know, he had nothing left. He just barely got his foot up, you know, and it, that that's, like I said, that little stuff that you could see the emotion in O'Connor was selling it, that if, oh, I had him, you know. It, it just yeah yeah that last one he just you could tell, he was like he was spent and he just barely what what he had left he just got his foot up there you know and, and then the then we see the gear change from O'Connor and it goes from body slamming him trying to beat him to punching him and ramming him both back of the head and front of the head into the buckle that was good stuff he he yeah like he's he started punching. And he would slam, slam his back of his head and the front. Usually you don't see, that was good. You know, he was just, you know, you just see him just ram their head into the turnbuckle. But that, but man, those, there wasn't much turnbuckle pad on that, was there? <laughs> no, no, it, it reminded me of the old Memphis duct tape. Yeah, yeah, um, but smaller. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, there, there wasn't much, but Rogers is taking them beautifully. When he takes the back of the head, he does this really interesting thing with his hair, and I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but like, when Rogers has his hair all slicked back, he looks like the epitome of, of class, right? Like, just he's in control. When he's getting his butt kicked, he whips his hair forward. Yeah. And he instantly, just in his face, he looks like a beaten man. Yes, his hair, and his hair's selling. His hair sells. It's crazy. Yeah. It's awesome. It's crazy, but it's awesome that his hair, he, he makes his hair sell, and it adds to the selling. It's like, wow. Like, nothing. I don't know how old he was at this time. Did they say like um, 32 or something? I, well, I think that was O'Connor. Okay. Was 
Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about Rogers, but like he did just that little thing and aged him as well. Because when his hair slicked back and stuff, he looks young and like so kind of young and dapper. But like his hair's forward in his face, and he's making this grimace, and he looks fifty something. Yeah, like, he looks like an old man getting beat up. Yeah, man. yeah, it, it does. It really does. It, it, it just him messing his hair up, selling, and the facial expressions. Ages him, and I and and when he's get just getting pulverized in those corners and stuff, he looks like he's like fifty year old and just getting the snot beat out by a younger dude. And, and his selling goes so beautifully between like almost uncomfortably realistic, getting just really tore up, to a little bit of co like co more comedy selling, you know, grabbing his ear and flailing around. And then he takes a punch, and it's really, like, he just flows between both, between really entertaining and really realistic yeah. selling and And I notice it, but I don't notice it where I go, oh, this is what he's doing. I just really, on the second watching, was really paying attention to the selling. Yeah. The fact that he can change it up. It's like something that would look cartoony, but then he takes a punch, and it looks like he just... Just got a little bit punched, and his teeth are about to fall out. Yeah, yeah. The the whole like I said, we're looking at this as just what you know this match. We're looking at it, and it's it's not today's stuff. It's not you know, but it's if you look at what they're doing and you dissect it, it's amazing how they're doing it. You know, it, to it, it's just the selling, it, just everything. It's just it. You know, these are why these are the top guys in the business at this time. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, and, and again, the story you're telling, Rogers is destroyed now. He keeps saving himself with the rope over and over. He's He's practically on Dream Street. Yeah, he's just he, he's on noodle legs. He's a, he's basically um, walking. You know, he just he he's out basically. <laughs> yeah, O'Connor's on a roll, just doing whatever he wants to him. Yeah, and then it leads right into the finish, and it's beautiful. You and it's out of nowhere. <laughs> the um, I'll let you talk. You you call the finish on this one. Uh, and so this is the part that I think is beautiful because let, let me call the spot um, O'Connor goes for a big drop kick Rogers is on the ropes Roger, you don't, Rogers you don't know if it's from desperation or exhaustion or both but he falls out of the way Pat O'Connor hits the ropes takes a big ugly bump did he land on his head? Head and shoulder, kind of like uh, what, what I kind of liken it to. Daniel Bryan would do it a lot. Man, it, it, I look, I watched, I rewatched him times. Like, man, that was a for that time, that was a sick bump. Yeah, um, and this there's this is the only part that was a little weird to me. So I figured it'd be pinned right after that. Um, but he kept going for O'Connor, and O'Connor would like slowly roll out of the way to get away from him and then finally Rogers caught him and just pinned him that was the only part that was questionable to me if he would have missed that drop kick brained himself got pinned right there 
But Rogers was so out, I think that's why he crawled over. I guess maybe if he wasn't a, sold it so far away and he had to crawl over to him. But did you notice he was holding his nuts? Well, yeah, I think, I think the deal is he goes for the drop kick and he racks himself yeah. on the rope. The announcer said, he said he's holding his midsection. I was like, he's holding his nuts. <laughs> I guess well, you, you, could, yeah, you couldn't say you couldn't say you couldn't even say growing back in here. You, you had to say his midsection. <laughs> but yeah, he was well, so below the belt or something like that. Yeah, I think I I think he sold out too far. Maybe like, he he crawled a long ways. I think he was well, probably. It looked like he was trying to pin him, but he was having to chase him because O'Connor kept rolling. Yeah. Um, and for all I know, that could have been an FU to him having to do the job. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, without that, like, if it would have been just crot, lay there, dying, and Roger steals the pin. But, I mean, I'm not going to count anything against this match. This match is awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah. But did you notice, though, the ref went down, and he, the old school refs, they did them a little slow short counts. The people on the other sides, they couldn't see it. They didn't know it was over. The people on this side, you could see it on the you know, they they like what? You know, they stood up and other people didn't realize it until the ref got up and then they realized, oh crap, there's a finish, you know? Because they couldn't see it. Yeah. And, uh, the ref and then and then when that when they realized it on the other side, they went crazy. They didn't worry, worry about refs working TV back then. What's that? They didn't worry about referees working TV back then. No, no, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. I don't think they invented the hard... They, they, they had a hard camera, but they didn't know what it was because that was the only camera. <laughs> yeah, but, camera. But those people, man, they on that other side, when they finally realized what happened, they were hot, dude. They, 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 at first they were in shock and then they got hot. At first they were like, you could tell them they were kind of like, because they see the people in front standing up. The other side like, what just happened? And they're like, he just lost. And it was kind of like disbelief and then it's like, oh, heck no, you know? And yeah, they got hot about it. So, it, um, the match, it was just, I, like I said, if you were in it to watch High Spots Galore, this wasn't a match for you. If you want to watch a match paced out, psychology, just excellent work, timing together, just that this is the match. This is a match for you, you know. And the and learn the little things. And there's my thing. On the Indies, guys, y'all work in front of tight court, tight um, places. You know, a lot, you're not really, you know, so most places are pretty close in. You can watch this match and learn how to sell for people to see, you know, because they did, the, the selling was so good in this, you know, um, you can re you can really learn from this match. How just just you know to sell. I mean, because it's gonna be hard to have this match nowadays uh, for fans because they're so used to seeing 
pretty much everything except for somebody pulling a gun out and shooting somebody. So you couldn't have this match. You could, but you could. You See, know what I'm saying? I, I, I disagree. I think you could have almost this exact match. Um, it depends on who, who it is. If yeah, you, well, that's with any match. It depends on who it yeah, is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think because well, I, I basically because I, I think you're going to say you know a lot of stuff's not a finish now, but each thing they did is a believable finish. A knee in the corner—that's Kenny Omega's secondary finish. Is a knee. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that that knee finish. Any roll ups a finish. They use it all the time. So an O'Connor yeah. roll. Yeah. Finish a nut shot. Still gets used as a finish sometimes. I, so, it, let me take it back. It could be done. It could be done um, with the right people, right play. You know, it could be done. Uh, especially the pile driver nowadays. You know, because you still you. you know, that's one of your big things. You know, uh, so yeah, it could be. It could be done with the right people and that knows. You know, you know it, it knows what they're doing and why they're doing it, and you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and, hey, but there's not a lot of people out there I don't think could do it, though. Yeah, if you didn't think I didn't just come up to two new reversal spots for my pile driver, you're insane. <laughs> and, and, and both of them saved me from taking backdrops. Hey, so. Yeah, exactly, because that's, seems like that's the only one everybody knows is the the block and backdrop them over. <laughs> yeah, so if I can do these and tell the same story, I'm good with it. Yeah, it... I, it it, but you know, it just—I watch this, and just I'm—I'm I'm amazed how the because I'm a you know I still like you know you know Tennessee romp and stomp brawl and but man this right here was just psychology and just it, it was it was it this was it right here you watch this match and. If you don't learn anything from this, if you're a worker and you watch this match and you don't learn something from this, you need to take your kick pads and go sell them <laughs> in your match shoes. Because um, if you can't learn from this match, you're 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 hopeless. You know. It, and again, this is on this is on a list of matches that I like to show students. And it's just for that. It's that for that you can have eight thousand tools in the toolbox, or you can do. Five or six incredibly well. Yeah. And get the action. That's the whole thing. I think it was what I liked it so much. Um, it's like I, you know, like you know, I'm old school as the day is long, but I, I watch. Um, I always want to say A and E, Dead Gummit, A A W. Is that A W? Is that it? That's it. Yeah. Okay. I watch it. I prefer it more than I do New York. Um. I actually watch it every week. I probably haven't watched NXT maybe once every two months, maybe. Um, I watch Raw maybe once every three months, and I was through that because my wife wants to watch Jeff Hardy. Um, so I'll sit through that. But that that's really the only wrestling I watch that's on TV today. And I like it, you know, but last night, um, that match with um, Omega and... Um, the Lucha Brother guy? Yes. Yeah. For what it was, that style, that's amazing. But, man, there was some time I couldn't keep up with it. I, I guess I'm old school. But 
Cause I'm, it's, and then I watched, I watched that last night for that what it was, for that style. That match was amazing. And what we, and then this match right here for this right here was my amazing. And I, and you know, because like I said last night, I got lost sometimes. It was going so fast. This they made sure everybody seen everything, pretty much. You know. Oh, yeah. Everything digest, everything sinking. Yeah, it was just great. And like I said, and like I said, that first round, you know, it was a lot of us working the arm and stuff. But they throw that little high spot and a real simple high spot to get them up and bring them back down. You know, and they knew they just did it right. I mean, everything was just you know, I ain't saying it's a perfect match. I don't think there is a perfect match, but for this. To learn from this is one of the perfect matches to learn from. If you know, it, it just I know I'm just over keep saying the same thing over, but I'm just I'm really glad you picked this match, man. Because like I said, I, I've watched it before back early 90s. I got it on one of my tapes through my tape trader days and didn't think nothing about it. Um, but now I watch stuff and really I, I watch it to really, you know, I wish I would have watched stuff way I wish I watched stuff. The way I watch it nowadays, I wish I would have watched it back when I was working, especially early on. Um, I didn't. I, I could kick myself in the nuts for that. Because, uh, man, if I would have, because like I said, I watched this match like in 93 or 94 probably. It didn't take nothing from it. it and I was so green then. Man, look at the stuff. I could have learned from this. You know? It, it just, it sucks that I had, I had stuff that I could learn from and I didn't, you know. Um, so, yeah, if, I, you know, if you can show your students this match, I definitely would, man, because this is, this is, is how to get the most out of, out of, out of, out of basic. Because it's basic stuff. I mean, you know, there was no, I mean, it's basic holds and moves, you know? So, yeah, it, it, it's everything that, you know, I mean, I've got guys who know every who know every move in this match by I don't know halfway through wrestling school. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was basic. Everything they did was really basic. It's it, it was the psychology of it is what made it so good. Is I'm just I know I'm just keep rambling. Man, this was this this was a breath a breath of fresh air. You know. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it got better. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad. You know, I, I didn't hate you. You had seen it. I thought I was going to introduce you something brand new, but that's cool. Well, but you really did, because like I said, I don't. Rem I remember having it and watching it, but the only reason why I remember watching it is because of the kangaroos and the Red Berry interview in between falls. That's when it clicked on me that hey, I've actually had this tape at one time. You know, and, uh, but I, like I said, I didn't watch it. I just, you know, watched it. And so it didn't, I didn't absorb it. So I, it, I forgot about it, you know. Because at that time, man, when I was, you know, I was working and, you know, I was tape trading and everything. And I'd get in so much stuff and I'd just, you know, watch through stuff, you know. And it, I wasn't digesting like I am now. So it's, it's new to me, you know. So. But we get the <laughs> and I, uh, so they um, it covers him for the win and everything. Um, 
uh, Fred Kohler comes in and presents him with the belt. Now, I'm not, you know more about this, the belt. So let, I'll let you talk about that part. You know more about that belt than I do. Yeah, so uh, this is not obviously the Fez belt. This is not the uh, NWA World Heavyweight title Fez belt. Uh, this is what I believe is called the NWA Crown belt. Uh, I've seen it called Crown or Crown Jewel. Uh, I believe it was used 59. Uh, I'm trying to get the end of the year, but this is the belt. You would have seen Harley wore this belt. Um, so it's 59 to 73. So Harley wore this belt. Um, I guess, let's see. I believe Jack Rithgow. Uh, thinking in that timeline, Dory Jr. would have wore this. Well, hold on. Now, Harley would never have had it. Uh, there, there was a picture. Harley may have been one of the last ones to have it. Cause, cause, uh, There's a picture floating around with Harley with that belt. Because I'm trying to remember... I believe Bruce Pritchard may have took it, or, or Tom. Okay, because didn't, um, okay, Funk beat, um, Kanitsky, right? Junior beat Kanitsky, right? Well, if you'll give me one second, I can have up the <laughs> title history. Because I've actually seen that match, because I actually saw the match, uh, when I was working on some, uh, DVDs for Scott Till. It's crowbarpress.com. We can get you DVDs. I actually was working on some DVDs for him one day on a bunch of old Florida stuff. I was working one day on, on some bunch of Florida DVDs he gave me to work on. And that match was on there. It was, uh, I think it was just the highlights because I don't think there's a full match of it out there. Uh, and I want to say he beat Kanitsky. So let's see. It's it went, it went o o O'Connor beat Dick Hutton. Yep. Uh, who actually, that match was the debut of the crown belt version okay in, in, in 59 and 61 buddy rogers beat him uh let's see in november of 61 kowalski beat rogers uh let's see august in 62 yeah okay go ahead uh, let's see, August of 62, Bruno v. Kowalski. Oh, hold on, I think. Hold no, on, Bruno sorry, never sorry, had sorry. the... Bruno never... You, how, Kowalski, that... Hold on, that's... You went into WWF. WWF. So, here's what's going, going on with this. They did a whole bunch of gimmicks out of this. Yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. It, so, in the November of 62, so I guess those weren't out of it unofficial deal so hold on, let me skip those here real quick so then then January of 63 Fez uh, took the belt then in January of 66 Kanitsky then yes February of 69 Dory Jr. The junior, then it went to Briscoe no it went to Jr. then it went to Harley it did? yep How, we didn't have a that's right, because he was tradition. He was a transition champion, wasn't he? Yes, because yeah, they wanted because they wanted they wanted to put the strap. I forgot about that because they wanted to put it. He didn't have it that long, did he? No, he had it from May to July. They yeah. they put it on because Jack Briscoe, or sorry, Dory Junior. wouldn't do the job of Jack Briscoe, baby face, baby. Yeah, they want. That's some saying. That's that's right. He was transition. I keep forgetting, and I should know because that was all that stuffs on there. 
on those DVDs that I did for Scott. So, and, and Harley's reign from May 24th to July So he did have that because yeah. Briscoe is one that he... Was, was debuted on Briscoe. Yeah, okay, but here's my thing. It What was the deal with the red strap? That I don't know. I've never, I've, I've, I've never looked looked into that. He didn't have it long as as the red belt. It wasn't that long though. I guess it was it would look it was too non traditional. I guess and they changed it back to the regular regular leather. Because when he when he when he he dropped it, it it wasn't red by the time he dropped it though. It done moved back to the black leather. Did he? Did they ever have the crown belt on red? I don't know. I've never seen a good picture of the crown belt. I've seen big gold on red. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. When Briscoe had it. They had it on red. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they didn't keep it on there long. Because when he lost, when he dropped it, it, it was it was to black. They already put it back on, put it on the black leather. But... I forgot about Harley. Daggum. Well, that kind of segues into... Well, we'll go to it in a minute. Um, so, Fred Kohler comes in, hands him... Hands, um, congratulations, hands the belt. And... He thanks Fred Kohler. And this is where... The... His uh, signature catchphrase... I'm going to let you say it because I will butcher it. How are you butcher it? It's not even that long. I, trust me. I know I'm horrible at trying to say people's stuff. <laughs> trust me. Just take it, take it, dude, because I'll mess it up. <laughs> he thanked Kohler and then said to a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. So, so officially they said that was the first time he said that, right? Yes. Okay. So yeah, that and after that, that became what he was. That, that was his little line there. And at the time, I mean, you think nowadays we've heard so much stuff. But at the time, that was cocky, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right now, they'd be like, "Oh, he's just confident." But yeah, no, back then, that was as cocky as can be. Yeah. Okay, so now we get back. We're gonna kind of go into this thing we were talking about the tiles, and you kind of you want you kind of went over into the WWF. Um, so we, I think we talked a little bit about how Vince Senior basically took over um, as his manager, and, and they were basically just booking him for Vince's towns and Toots towns, and yeah. So I, I, Vince uh, and Toots in the Northeast Territory, uh, Texas for Paul Bosch, uh, Pacific Northwest for Don Owen. That's what and, that I don't mean to cut you out, but that with. Um, that Don Owens, that just kind of, I could see Bosch and, and, and Houston, you know, but it, that was a staple in the NWA. But Oregon just kind of, that kind of throws kind of me a loop that he'd go way out there, you know, because Portland was always was a small territory, you know. Um so the, the article I read stated that it was because of his respect and admiration for Paul Bosch. Not Paul Bosch, I'm sorry, Verdano. It's kind of like Piper. Remember they said that Piper wouldn't yeah, work? Yeah, because for Bosch. So, I mean, I'm sorry, I mean, for Owens, for Don Owens. 
But yeah, so and they one of the NWA got really tired of it of um, of that happening. So I what I I'm the article was talking about. Did, so what actually happened? Um, did they strip him of it, or how did that? What happened with it? Because they were, the they all got mad about it. So yeah, and they got mad because it basically froze out all the other territories yeah. from benefiting from the drawing power. Um, so, from what I, I've read, that they sent legitimate shooters after Rogers to like try to get the belt. Um, I don't know. It said it led to him having a lot of injuries. Did so somebody? I remember. I'm going to cut you out, but if I don't say it, I'll forget it. I read yeah. almost somewhere like in Ohio, he got hurt. Somebody like really, really shot on him really bad. And he got hurt somewhere in Ohio around this time period. Um, I don't know who what the, you know who it was for, but I do remember uh, saying that somebody shot on him bad and it hurt, legitimately hurt him really bad. And um, uh, that was uh, one. Then like Vince Senior was just like was you know put the kibosh on him working anywhere. It seemed like. From what I can remember, this I can't remember. It's been years ago. I read this story, but yeah, they were sending. They, yeah, people was out. They were out to get him because, yeah, it, it was really weird that whole time period. Yeah, and I mean, obviously he has to defend it. So like, it's not, I don't know how he's escaping with the belt. Like, I, I don't know if they're doing some true adventures so he can keep the belt. Um, but all that comes to an end, January of nineteen sixty three. Uh, like a semi-retired Luke Beds. Uh, beats him for the title. However, at the same time, McMahon and Mont drop out of the NWA, and they use this to form their own championship and to, to form what we used to be Capital Wrestling Connection or Corporation. I can't remember. Yeah. It becomes the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, and you know, off this they get their championship. That was as all WWF, or in this case WWF championships are done. They are one out of tournament in Brazil. <laughs> they like that um, Brazil stuff, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they really do. And about a month after he is quote unquote KFA won this title, uh, he has a heart attack. Uh, and they have to do what's right for business and send him out. Uh, he does a quick job for a young Bruno San Martino, and that the rest of that is history. Yeah, definitely. And Rogers, he had, he had a few like other matches after this, but nothing of note. Like I think he wrestled Ric Flair. Yeah, he, he yeah he 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 wrestled off and on, but nothing nothing steady or you know definitely not full time. Nothing really steady. Um, he back as a manager for a little bit, I believe. Yeah, he did a lot of managing and stuff, and just he he went, I know he did he opened up a lot of businesses like restaurants and bars and stuff in New Jersey and area and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, if you wonder if he wouldn't have had the heart attack, you know, would have would there ever been a Bruno or Bruno would have been later on? It just it's interesting, you know, kind of makes you think. But it's it's kind of crazy how you know the NWA basically they you know it just it's weird how how it operated then you know because like I said they you know. They put the strap on him. He was the first, you know, entertainment guy. And it just, I don't know. It says everything just, I don't know. It just went, it was just really weird that, you know, 
that um, uh, he, when did, okay, so Kohler was the president. So when did he step down? Well, Kohler wasn't the president. Uh, no, maybe I'm trying to remember when Kohler was the president because Kohler only lasted as president, I believe, for like nine months. Yeah, he wasn't there long, but that was re what that. But he was the reason why they. Wasn't he the reason why that they put the strap on Rogers? Oh, and he was one of the he was his biggest backer then, and then McMahon and, the, and Mott's got on board. But what? But he was wasn't he? Uh, Kohler in the oh, I'm sorry, Frank, Frank Tunney from sixty to sixty one, and then Fred Kohler from sixty one to sixty two. Okay, so he's had it for a year. Yeah, then it went to Doc Carl Sarpolis out of Amarillo until 63, and then it went back to Sam Muchnick. Yeah. So it's Mush it was Muchnick got it, that's when he put it back on the feds then. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, because Muchnick was definitely not a, um entertainment guy. So... No, he's... St. Louis, two referees, one on the outside, one on the yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah. So it just kind of weird how it. They got the entertainment guy, and it just and. I don't, it just seemed like it. It just kind of went crazy there, you know. With um, with Vince Senior and basically taking over, it just seemed like how did he get that much power? Even though he's his manager, that belt. The belt has more pull than a man. You know what I'm saying? Whoever the board vote would vote on, you know, hey, it just kind of seemed like did they go? Did he go rogue and and didn't listen to the to the uh, NWA board and just kept booking him in his own territory? Because it, it seemed like you know, because all the other promoters were getting mad because they weren't getting the champion. It seemed like the board would would have stepped in and did something, you know. Well, and, and they probably tried, but at the same time, if they just stripped him of it, I mean, you've got this is a very protected time for the business. But I'm sorry, but they did, they let it go for a while before they stripped him of it. That's what I'm trying to say, though. They, they didn't strip him of it. What's that? They didn't strip him well, of it. He did, well, did the job. He did the job, but it was kind of like he had to do the job. Well, yeah, or he's going to die. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I mean, basically, they stripped him. Basically stripped him with, you know, I'm so, you know what I meant. Like, you know, well, they took it off. I, I assume when they put him in the ring with those other shooters that that's what they were trying to do, and somehow he got out of it. Yeah, but it just, I don't. It just seemed like the, you know, it, the board would have would have made, could have said, hey, look, either you start, you know, tell Vince Senior, hey, if you don't start sending him to these towns, you keep him in these towns, we're, you know. We're, we're taking the belt off from him. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. It just seems like like Vince was just going rogue and said, whatever, you know? I mean, he probably was. Yeah, because he's making so much money off from it. He didn't care. But it was getting, but when it, when Rogers would go out somewhere, he'd get hurt. So they, would be, they were kidding, trying to cripple him. It's just really odd, you know? It's just, it's interesting how that all happened. But, um, I don't know. <laughs> it just, it, to me, it's just really, uh, oh, uh, something that I wanted to add to it. Um, 
the uh, they had a rematch. O'Connor got his rematch for the belt. They had a return match. Uh, it was in September. It was September 1st of 61, uh, so a couple months later. Uh, and it was in Chicago, Illinois. It was at Kaminsky. Um, Buddy Rogers, you know, he beat him two falls to one. I don't know what the tenets were. I couldn't find a tenets or nothing like that. Uh, but that they, they did have a rematch for the belt um, a couple months later. But um, uh, I pretty, I don't know what else you got. I've shouldn't said everything about this match because it was it was great. I mean, I think I said everything I could too. I, I, I mean, it's just going to be the same gushing and glowing about the match. That's why <laughs> I put it on there just because it it's simple, but it's expertly done. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be. It's definitely my top ten matches of all time now. Definitely. So. I think we started off this with a good with a good match, uh, and, and when people we'll put the link up there, and when I post this, so you can watch it, and um, and when you watch it, don't watch it as compared to others. Watch it to the eyes of like we watch it of 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 what they did, how they did it, why they did it. Yeah, and I, and I think you will you will have the maybe not the same. But you'll you'll see why we really are just all about this match. Um, so that comes the next week. Um, so it's my turn. Um, I had a list of stuff. Um, I think I try to go too deep, dig too deep for stuff, because uh, I'm having trouble finding some of the stuff. Um, but the one thing I did want to. Uh, and I lost time today. I had to go get my tire fixed on the car. So I didn't have much time to really look for um, the angle. Of, uh, everybody talked about the angle of 1988. was out of Continental Wrestling. It was the feud with uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard against the Dirty White Boy. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces through the years. Uh, you know, people have doing tape trading and stuff. Uh, I'd get stuff here and there of it. Um, Really good angle. Uh, they had the dirty white girl involved. Uh, Pritchard got hung. I mean, it was the it was the feud of the year, definitely. Uh, it all led up to the the climax. The blow off was uh, the match for the tournament to the Road to Birmingham. Uh, this is when was it David Woods? He took over, and everything just kind of fell apart there. By the time they got to to the uh, Road to Birmingham finals for the uh, I think it was Alabama Belt, um, which come down to Pritchard and White Boy. Everything I've read, the blow-off match that rode to Birmingham was okay, but everything else before that was so good, it was a letdown because everything else was so good because the angle was so hot. So instead of doing the final blow-off match that to this whole big angle, uh, the Road to Birmingham. I'm going to pick the match. Everybody that has watched the whole angle says this was the match of the whole angle. It was the uh, street fight. Uh, Tom Pritchard against Dirty White Boy street fight. And I think it was from March 28th, 1988. I'm going to have to 
look that up, but um, I'll um, I'm gonna sh uh, shop around. I'm gonna look around and make sure that's the actual date of it. Um, but that's gonna be the match. It's the street fight, Pritchard against Dirty White Boy, Continental Wrestling uh, from 1988. So that'll be what we'll be watching next week. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm a big Smoky Mountain Wrestling fan, so I love both the Dirty White Boy. And Dr. Tom Pritchard, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, like I said, it was the um, it was the feud of the year. Um, people said in '88, which, uh, from like I said, the bits and pieces I know of and have seen, great stuff. And, and like I said, they got the dirty white girl in in it, and it just and Memphis tried to do it uh, in what '89 with Dirty White Boy and Chris Champion uh, didn't have the same same effect. Um, I I'm, you know, not blaming either or, um, I think it was just the chemistry with white boy and Pritchard. They, they, they seem like they really, you know, you sometimes you get two guys that just gel. And from what everybody says that they were, you know, they're like peanut butter and jelly. So that's what we're going to do next week. I hope everybody liked this. It's different. I enjoyed it because uh, the Lord knows I didn't have to watch any 1987 Memphis spin the wheel, make the deal, and didn't get to see nobody bring out a switch as a as a gimmick. And uh, well, I'm sorry to get switch matches, but look. <laughs> I'm going to bring it back. You'll bring back the switch match, huh? All right, well, you got anything to add? You don't have to be about the I matches. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. I uh, hope you like the new format. Let us know. Uh, you know, all that like, five stars, and all that stuff. Please and thank you. That's also, I, I want to say also, um, one of our buddies, um, J.C. Crow, uh, actually he's part of Hanging Tough. He's the third member. Uh, his wife's having some serious health problems right now, so... Uh, Keep JC and his wife in your prayers, because uh, it's 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 sad. Because like I said, you know he was he was the third member, so he's family, and uh, so just just keep his family his, and his wife in your prayers if you can. So, all right, well, show number what show number we at fifty one. Whoa, all right. Show 51 is in the books. Stick a fork in her. She's done. For Jeremiah Plunkett, Quickers, hey, that's me. Thanks for listening, and God bless.